The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. gentlemen welcome back welcome back to episode number 10 of the anchor point podcast i am super stoked we just broke 10,000 downloads 10,000 that's a shit ton and we're over that seven episode slump usually uh that's kind of the uh google spheres indicator of when uh, podcasts either fail or flourish so i just want to give a shout out of appreciation to you guys i've been sharing the good word keep it going so, with that being said, though, fire season is heating up, and uh, yeah, obviously fire comes first for me, but uh, if there's like a lull in the action or uh, a delay in episode release, uh, well, sorry, I'm on fires. Deal with it. Anyways, today on the show, I've got Adam Tinker. He is the owner of Palm Leaf Leather. He is a former hotshot out of uh, South Ops, out of there in Region 5. Uh, yeah, check out his leather work, man. It's pretty damn cool. And uh, we're going to get to talk about uh, supporting firefighter businesses, firefighter-owned businesses, and uh, the opportunities that exist for a side hustle out there, especially for you guys that get off uh, or get laid off in the winter. Have a side hustle. Follow your passion. Follow your dreams. Make some money off of it. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Anchor Point. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> All right, let's send it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I got Adam Tinker. He is the owner of Palm Leaf Leather. SoCal native, hotshot, bad MFer. Adam, what's up, what's, dude? What's going on, guys? What's going on? Not much, man. So give us a little history about yourself, dude. Um, so second generation fireman. Um, dad was a Del Rosa hotshot, so... She- Shout out to Del Rosa. One of the uh, oldest shot shot crews in the nation. And then uh, I started my fire career in 03, Riverside County Fire as a full-time volunteer firefighter doing the structure world, doing the academy kind of stuff, all the way through, you know, from explorer to volunteer, PCF, I guess you call them reserves now. And then I started with the Forest Service in 2006 and went to uh, Big Bear Hot Shots. Shout out to Big Bear. Hell yeah. Much love. Um, My first family. And then worked a couple engines, did about two months after I got my apprenticeship, two, three months on Heap Speak Helitac. Great bunch of dudes, great Helitac crew. Um, did a little bit of time in FICC in San Bernardino, working between the Forest Service, the BLM, and the National Parks, and some of the uh, BIA resources that we carry down here in SoCal. And then 
I was a senior firefighter, you know, up on our mountaintop district out of the Big Bear side and then got promoted down to the front country and got busy and got active and uh, took the engineer's job. Oh, gosh, probably uh, I want to say four years ago now and detailed as a captain a couple of times. Uh, nice. Just kind of doing my thing, man. And then, you know, about uh, got married three years ago. Congratulations. And right after I got promoted to AFEO, I got married. And then that August, I started a business and we moved into our house 14 days after we got married. And so it's a busy year. And Palm Leaf's been around since uh, about five years ago, but they've been, we've been legit for about three years now. Fucking hey, man. So how did, how did Palm Leaf start, man? Because you make some pretty badass leather stuff. So I actually grew up um, between Beaumont in Southern California, a little town in Riverside County and a little town called Ashton in Idaho. It's on that Southeast corner, um, literally between Jackson and West Mo- Western Montana or West Yellowstone. And, uh, you know, grew up cowboying up there with my grandpa, pushing cows, pushing horses, doing stuff, colt breaking and fixing leather stuffs, And, you know, just getting after it as a kid, having a second skill. And then, you know, with the forest service and I, you know, I love my job and I love who I work for. But just the pay sometimes is just not the greatest, especially if you have a down season for us in SoCal. So I started the business and had a hell of a time with the name. And I have a buddy that, uh, you know, former Army Ranger and one of my best friends growing up. So we went to the bar one night. I'm like, man, I, you know, I don't know what to call this freaking business. You know, I'm doing belts and gun sheaths or gun holsters and knife sheaths and doing all this stuff. And he's like, well, dude, you rock a freaking flat palm leaf hat all the time. Why don't you just call it palm leaf? (laughs) <laughs> and I, and ironically, man, I, I'm like, yeah, I kind of like that, but I, I'm thinking about this. And the bartender that was serving us drinks at the dinner, uh, was like, no, you need to call it palm leaf. Like I wouldn't buy it from, I wouldn't buy a product from you if it was the other name, like palm leaf's just legit. It says, you know, cowboy, um, it says who you are and it's, and it's distinguishable. So I, I ran with it. I went to, you know, my wife who was my girlfriend at the time and said, I think we're going to call it that. And she goes, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a legitimate reason. Um, and it's just kind of skyrocketed from there, man. I, doing crazy, crazy amounts of stuff now. That's awesome, man. I can see that. You know, of course, the listeners can't see, but I, we're on FaceTime, so I can see your shop going on back there. So looks pretty nice, man. It's fucking cool. Yeah, man. It's uh, just put a new bench in. I've got a, ironically, and you can see it, and I, I'm sorry that the, the, the listeners can't, but I've got actually an old headstone that I use for my, my stamping rock where I carve and I do all my, my stamping and stuff. That's badass. And then... You know, I've got my cut bench and actually my phone's propped up on my sewing machine right now. But uh, yeah, you know, I've got I've got a ton of knife sheaths sitting on the bench right now getting ready to go, you know, get done. I've got ammo bags getting ready to get done. And then I've got uh, a ton of chap hides sitting here because I pulled a contract with San Bernardino County Fire um, for Old Cajon Crew. Yeah. Good type 2 IA crew out of so- SoCal. Um, does a lot of good work for us. And so I actually do their bar covers. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so I do their bar covers for their 28s, their 32s, and 36s, and then I do a custom cap on them with their crew emblem on it stamped in. It's it's pretty bitching. That's cool, man. So do you, like, uh, engrave all of them and do all, like, uh, the design work? Yeah, so, you know, I'll, I'll show you this since you can see it. So, like, this template right here, a lot of the, the, the viewers can't see it, but I've got a floral design held up. Um, what we'll do is I'll trace that out on the, on the leather or I'll, I'll actually freehand draw it onto the leather. And then I'll come in with a swivel knife and I'll, I'll carve it all out and then I'll come in with tools. And what I'm basically doing is taking the background and I'm smashing it down and leaving the rest of it lifted. So it looks like it's three dimensional. So it's kind of like a relief, almost like a relief carving. That's exactly what it is. Gotcha. 
that's cool, man. And that was a pretty badass photo design, dude. Make sure to send me a picture of some of your work, dude. That way I could uh, post up some of your stuff on our uh, socials. Yeah, and feel free to rip some stuff off from the IG. Um, we got plenty of stuff up there, but I'll send you some other some other photos of some of the knife sheaths and the gun holsters and the shafts. And I do a lot of work in cowboy tack and rodeo tack and um, a lot of stuff for the youth here in Southern California with uh, SoCal Bull Riders and the Rough Stock Rider organization down here for the kids. Like that's just it's kind of where I've gone, and I and I I want to see the the future go for it because you know I didn't grow up rodeoing. I did a little bit of here or there, but. But these kids, man, they just they just want to be badass athletes and and love God and they do their thing and we got to support them. Hell yeah, dude! So you're pretty heavily involved in the rodeo community. Did you actually do some rodeo yourself when you're living in uh, Idaho? I, or I did in a SoCal? little bit in Idaho, a um, little bit of calf roping, did a little bit of steer wrestling. I was never really good at it, so it's not like I I brought it to SoCal and I, I did. We didn't have in my house. We didn't have a whole lot of it in SoCal, so. Um, you know, most of the time was was pushing cows and roping that way. Actual you know, cowboy like, shit, like yeah. most of the movies you see, like the lonesome dove wannabes. Um, <laughs> but I did a little bit of rodeo, nothing major, and I was never good enough to earn a buckle. So I don't even really tell what, anybody I did. What was your event? Time. What was your event? Like, what'd you do? Uh, I did tie down and I did steer wrestling. Oh Jesus, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, speaking of rodeos, a rodeo, Reno rodeos in town right now, and I'm actually going tonight. So nice yeah so hopefully i guess it's the finals this uh tonight is the finals or tomorrow is the finals but i'm pretty stoked i always like going by and uh checking that shit out dude like i don't know where these guys like find the room to fit their balls on the back of this bull or anything because that takes that's that takes some serious cojones to hop on a pissed off bull that's what that's what that back straps for it's to hold their balls down while they're uh (laughs) while they're riding on the back of it jesus man some no, it's, shit, dude. bro, it, it, uh, it Reno is like one of the only rodeos I haven't been to, um, on the West coast, you know, uh, around California. And my wife used to go all the time when she was working up out of there. And, and I, and I've just heard great stories and I've had guys that I sponsored, um, like Jeremy college and a few other guys, um, that have ridden at Reno, excuse me, and just killed it, man. It, it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, dude, that's cool, man. That's a cool opportunity for you too, because now like you get to see your your handmade craftsmanship out there on the field on during these events. So that's pretty cool, man. It's got to be like a humbling experience for you. Yeah, man. It's um, it, it's it's shocking almost because you don't know how to how to take it. You know, you you've you've entrusted somebody to take your brand and push it forward, and these guys that have have done that for us have totally brought in a ton of work for us, but have have lived the the cowboy lifestyle to the point where. I would never think that they weren't cowboys. You know, they, they lived the truest form of it and, uh, they love what they're doing and they've, they've made a name for themselves and they've made a name for us. And, and it's just, it's super humbling and, and, um, just, I'm super appreciative for a lot of that stuff. That's cool, man. So that's also good for your business as well, because it's also, you know, people are going to see that and like who, who made this, you know, who made this piece of leather. So that's going to draw some business into you. So that's always a good thing, man. Um, speaking of which, man, is so palm leaf, are they pretty much all like word of mouth? Is that how it started out? Is just word of mouth advertising? Yeah, there was no Facebook page. There was no Instagram. It was all through my own stuff. Um, but I would, you know, I started doing belts and, you know, knife sheets and stuff and I'd have them on me. I actually, one of my first, my first knife sheets I have in here is actually from my very first pair of whites boots. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I cut them out of the tops and I made my own knife sheath and. I'd carry it around and then, you know, people would, you know, I'd fix it, fix some tack at brandings or whatever down here. And, 
like, man, that's pretty cool. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, just call me up if you need stuff. And you know, hours and hours and hours and hours of hand stitching stuff before I ever got a sewing machine. Fuck. Yeah. But you know what, man, it it built a reputation with folks and, and, um, I was able to offer them really good products at really decent prices and, you know, nobody ever batted an eye at it. And because they trusted me because we all worked the same way, you know, if I wasn't, if I wasn't on fires or if I'd gotten laid off as a seasonal, I was doing cowboy work down here for folks or, um, you know, at least going to brandings and helping folks out at the ground crew or roping or whatever. And if I was wearing it or if I built it, somebody would buy it. That's fucking and, awesome. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that took off for us, and it's really ironic, is uh, I did I did some some charity work for uh, the Del Rosa tournament and I had the Big Bear tournament, and I would make koozies. Oh no shit! Like leather and koozies. Co- yeah, dude. And I would take their emblems and I would stamp them in, and they're the biggest biggest thing that actually sells out or for a while were until I started to adopt kits and some other things, but. Yeah, the koozies are what really got our name out there. That's badass, man. You know what you should start making, dude? Chew can holsters. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah, you should uh, definitely. I mean, I've, I've seen you made a couple of them, and it's pretty cool, man. But I've, I'm pretty sure with our culture and the amount of uh, Copenhagen that goes into the firefighting community, you know, you might have a market there. You know, and it's funny because I was, uh, I'm just looking for my template that I printed off because I know that there's somebody on the other side of this phone call that's been waiting for one for like, I don't know, a year. <laughs> and uh, it's really ironic because I, I chewed for 17 years, man. And I, I, I told my wife, like, I'll quit when we have our first kid. And I haven't had a chew since February 23rd of this year. No shit. And everybody since I quit chewing has asked me for can holders. So... <laughs> Um, yours will be the first one out the door of the new design. I have a couple of the old design, but it kind of was, uh, I only did it for a few folks, but yeah, I wish Copenhagen would sponsor me and pay me to make them carriers so that they could just have them on display and sell them because they'd make me more money than I could make me money. So there you go, man. If anybody's out there has maybe some connections to Copenhagen, (laughs) Mr. Tinker over here wants to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. Call palm leaf leather. There you go. Shameless plug. (laughs) Yeah, dude. So uh, let's talk about like the side business, man. So uh, yeah, dude, when we're doing side businesses, man, if you guys I've heard a ton of awesome ideas out there and obviously leather craft is your gig. But if anybody out there, you know, if they have like a side business or an idea, dude, just do it, man. So I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I, I almost didn't pull the trigger and make this a legitimate business. I was going to just do it out of the garage and kind of just make it a hobby. And if for a while it was just that, even though I had, I'd made the business, but to be completely honest with you, if, you know, the side hustle is where you make all your money, but if it's something that you really enjoy, make some good money after it, but, but make a brand, make something that people are going to be loyal to. Um, I can, I can sit around and make, you know, cheap strap belts all day long and call it leather work, but yeah, but what's the fucking point? Yeah. I mean, you can go buy a $25 belt at boot barn or NRS or probably not NRS, but boot barn or Walmart or, you know, whatever. Is that like that shitty press leather? Yeah. The genuine leather and people can't see me, but I'm putting it in quotes. Yeah. But you know, the, the genuine leather stamp that tells you that it's supposed to be real when it's not. Um, but what I find the funniest is, is people will talk to me about, well, I want to start doing woodwork or I want to start building, you know, I, I got a buddy that was talking about, I want to build uh, I want to start making smoking pipes. That'd be cool. I said, sweet dude, when you do it, let me know and I'll, I'll make your tobacco pouches for you. That'd be dope. That'd be sweet, man. That's cool. So, 
he was kind of on the fence about it. He just had a kid. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, dude, give it a month and then just delve into it. You, you're a woodworker. You know how to do all this stuff. You got all the tools and shit already. Yeah, he's got everything. And then, you know, if he doesn't, he can get them. And then I just started making some of his, his tobacco pouches to sell with his stuff. And, man, he's making hand over fist. And then, you know, you, you see guys like, uh, is it Secondhand Slabs, I believe, is down here that does the Yeah, tables. they're in your neck of the woods. Bro. They make some cool shit, dude. Have you seen those fucking tables that they make? Talk about side hustle. Yeah, that's cool, man. They get some of those, like, old growth. Or, like, have you seen the one where they had, like, um, there was, like, a, a fallen tree that was all fire scarred and shit? Mm-hmm. And they poured, a uh, like, an epoxy in the center of it with the fire scarring on the outside? Dude, that was yeah. a cool-ass table, man. Man, they do beautiful work. The, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is with the federal side of it, because we are such a hands-on kind of per- people, we're, we're such a kinesthetic human being and profile. Um, you know, stuff that makes you have to work with your hands and your mind, that's where all of our, our time is going to be consumed. We're not going to be sitting around drinking beer and BSing all the time and being slobs. People want to get out and do stuff with this, you know, with this kind of work. So they're going to go out and find a job that's secondary or tertiary for their income. That's just fun. Yeah. It's and that's a cool fun. thing too. And it keeps is you like, busy. Well, it keeps you busy, especially when like the winter months roll around and you actually just don't have shit to do. You could focus yeah. on that business and still have a stable income, but also you could do what you love, man. If you got a passion and you're good at what you do, dude, fucking earn something off of it. Make your product known. Do something cool yeah. with it. We have a the the actual the old captain from my station, uh, he's got a t shirt business that he started actually out of the station back in the eighties. <laughs> no shit. And he still does it today after retirement. And I mean, he just, he does good work and he just, it was funny because when I got down to the station, they're like, what are you going to do? Bring me, bring your tables in and, you know, turn this into a leather shop. And I'm like, no, I don't want any, I don't want anything to do with you guys. Cause I already can't sell to you. Yeah. I'm a federal employee. Um, There's that whole ethics thing, you know, and that's dude, it's such a fucking hurdle, man, with like ethics and stuff. You know, it's, it's really not. It's, it's not. really not because, and, and I'll tell you why, because as long as you know what your policies and procedures are, and as long as you get the okay from your supervisor and the supervisor above, and it doesn't interfere with your job, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the things that, that go to any of the firefighter golf tournaments that are federal are ever purchased. They're always donated for me. So yeah. it keeps me out of that loophole. Um, you know, a lot of the guys too will tell you like, if they're gonna buy from me, they buy cash, and yeah. it's out of their pocket. See, that's a thing. Now the, yeah. The, now with the county and all this other stuff, because I don't work for them, I don't have a, a conflict of interest. But I also don't let it. I don't bring anything that I do here to the station, ever. No, you can't. That's kind of like one of those rules. That's like one of the biggest rules about ethics is like, you know, don't sell your shit out of the station, obviously. <laughs> right. Don't even sell it you out of the call, back of your truck. You can call a firefighter, you know, firefighter owned business, but don't sell it out of the fire station. Exactly. No, that's, a, that's the thing. Yeah. You got you to gotta have a clear and defined separation between, you know, your professional duties and then your side hustle or your passion, you know. You know, and the other thing, too, is and, and people have to remember something. We are federal employees. We're not going to be paid the greatest. If you have a side hustle, go after it. Yeah. Go, go after it. Because if you don't, somebody else is going, going to. You know how many times I, I hear, like, there's two or three guys on the Purdue here um, that they do leather. And I'll catch one of them every once in a while. They're like, oh, yeah, you own Palm Leaf. I'm like, don't tell anybody. Just keep that and shit we'll, on the hush-hush. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, and we'll giggle about it. But I'm like, hey, man, like, 
if you ever need to come down and use my machines or if you ever need to come in and learn how to carve or do certain things, I'm always down. Or if I need it, you know, if I need something, I can call them and be like, Hey, I need some help with this. And everybody's going to help each other. As long as they, everybody stays humble and they, and they do, and they pimp their business out and they do their best work. There's nothing that can be held back from you. Yes, dude, that is the best shit that I've ever heard because you know what, man, it is important that we help each other out, man. We stick to our tribe, man. And that's yep. cool that the other people are doing leather in your, in your area. It's like, you don't care, dude. Hey, if you want to like, if we could like maybe mesh off of each other and kind of learn from each other, come down use my shit, help each other out, make the world a better place, man. Right. It's our tribe, man. We got to stick together with our tribe. You know, and for me, like I, I run around, <laughs> I feel like Tano half the time. I'm on like six different tribes now. Um, I, I got buddies in the, in the rodeo world. I got buddies in, you know, the, the municipal world. I got buddies here in the fed side. But we all stick together. Like I keep getting flash notifications on my phone right now from my buddy Billy Collinsworth. I, I sent him a, a wallet, man, and, and just a simple, you know, you're a badass dude, and I, I want to help you down the road because he's just he's got a he's got a sweet sweet business, um, shirts and stuff, and he's totally inspirational, and he's you know just all about Christ and and doing a good job and being a good human being and trying to help your fellow man. And every time he posts something, he tags me in it, and I can't tell you how many people just from one simple wallet have come to me and said, I want this or I want that. And it, and it's just sent me down the road or, you know, guys from the shots will, will tell people or guys will come to the, the golf tournaments where I have stuff for gifts. And then, you know, six months later, all of a sudden here's Christmas is coming up. Hey, I need this done. Okay, cool, man. Here's my price. Cool, man. Don't even, I don't even want to know the price. Just send it to me when you're done. See, that's a cool thing about us too. That's like, you know, a firefighter, we appreciate quality and craftsmanship, you know, we'll actually we won't hesitate as a culture to, you know, front the extra couple dollars to have something that's badass and it's going to actually last long. Yeah. Dude, fuck this cheap Chinese crap. Like I'm over it. It doesn't, if it doesn't work, it's going to break. It's just, just crap. So quality craftsmanship, dude, that's huge. You know, and the other thing, and I read something the other day and it kind of made me crack up, but it's so true is I read a thing that said support local business because Amazon doesn't sponsor your kid's baseball team. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the These damn truth? Big box don't care, bro. Big no. box don't care. They're but about the bottom line, dude. Oh, yeah. No, big boxes, they're all about the bottom line, you know. And uh, you from a business perspective, you know, I understand it. It makes sense. But what are you doing to help the community? Some right. fucking armchair co- activism, you know? Right. Yeah, dude. I don't I don't need your opinion on politics. What I need you to do is is support your local people and and uh you know the the I don't, I don't even know how to say this without being PC or, you know, without not being PC, but I'm just going to say it. These big box people don't give a shit about who you are. They want your money. And the mom and pop shops, regardless of who you are, where you've come from, what your, your background is, who your kids are, what they're doing, they will always, always, always support the kids. I don't have a son. I don't have a nephew or a niece or a cousin or anybody that's in the local, you know, kids sports, especially in the rodeo world. But there's kids there that need help and want to be stars and want to grow and be good human beings. And that's what we need to start supporting is being good human beings, not just being another number. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And even that extends out into like your charity organizations, you know, like and I'm sure you are into the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. You also mentioned yep. uh, the Wishes for Warriors Foundation, which is badass. You're telling me about that. But since we're recording now, explain Wishes to Warriors, man. That sounded like a cool, cool organization. So Wishes for Warriors is my buddy Brian who takes partially or completely um, immobile veterans on big game hunts. That's badass. 
North America, South America, Africa, um, Canada. He wants to give back. He's a former Marine. Dude's just a monster of a human being and just a, just a huge heart and wants to give back to his veteran, his fellow veteran. Um, I mean, there's videos of him and his team literally backpacking uh, folks with no legs into big high altitude sheep hunts and moose and deer and elk hunts. And it, it just, man, it's just a fabulous thing. And every year they do a big dinner down in Dallas and they always ask me, Hey, can you give me a, can, can you donate some stuff for the dinner? It's like, shit. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, what kind of, what kind of dinner is this? He's like, Oh, it's a tuxedo black tie affair only. Like it's a black and white ball basically. Yeah. So I'm like, oh crap! I better make something really good. So a couple of years ago, I donated a uh, one of my big dop kits. I know you've seen them. It's that that hard panel side shave kit that I custom carved. Yeah. Um, I donated one of those and some wallets and some koozies. They had I donated like I did a big run for National Finals Rodeo. Um, twenty. Let's see, that was 2016, I think. Yeah, December 2016. Literally right after I got the business started. 2017, maybe. Anyway. I do a big thing, and uh, in the middle of that NFR order for their flask covers and their koozies, I get a call from Brian. Hey, I, I want to do some koozies. Fuck, how many koozies you want to do, man? I just got a brand new die. I can pop them out. I can get, you know. I want a thousand I got, koozies. Well, bro, I, I've got a, I got a small business out of feeling here in SoCal that I'll do your emblems in brass stamps. That'd be cool. That That's dope. So it's easy for me to emboss. So I had I, I had him send me the PDF, and I sent it up to my guy, and he he made it. Um, shout out to John at Leather Stamp Maker because the guy is just, I just hooked up Donut with that with that dude um, for their organization. Donut's Everybody a cool dude, met. man. I like that guy. I always like chatting with him, man. Yeah, super good dude. He, uh, he popped up on Facebook the other day and was like, hey, I, you know, I kind of need to get this, this, you know, emblem, this leather emblem made, blah, 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 blah. And I just hit him up and everybody, if you read the feed, like five or six people got on there and were like, you need to talk to Tinker. Um, so I hooked him up with John out here in Phelan and they're going to get together and get a big old stamp made for their hats. You know, Brendan's going to come out with some hats and some koozies. I don't know. Some other stuff that he's got going on. Is that for, Um, uh, his charity organization or is that for his recovery, uh, clinic? It's for the recovery clinic. I believe that's badass. That's cool, man. So, so, you know, another shot helping a shot, man. I mean, that's what we're all here for. Um, I don't, you know, and that's the thing is I told him, I said, I don't, I don't need to do this stuff for you. Like I will, if you need the help, but my thought process is if he's going to do it, I might as well help him out. Yeah. That's that's what we do anyway. Right. Like if, if I went down on the line, I would expect somebody to come help me. Exactly. You know, I want to make sure that he's successful in everything that he's doing and it goes for everybody else that's in the, in the agency, you know, um, Pearls and Pulaski's the girl that's doing the, she's super rad too. I definitely want her on the show eventually as well. Along with Brandon, Brandon, I know if you're listening to this, you're coming on the show. I know yeah, you're a busy man, you but hurry up, bro. <laughs> um, you know, I, she, uh, she friend requested me on Instagram and started following the business. I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And I started following her and her mission. And it was like, wow, that's really rad. Like, yeah, I was thinking about picking up one of her Pulaski ne- necklaces for, uh, my wife, giving her one of those. So hopefully she's not going to listen to this and spoils the surprise, but <laughs> <laughs> you might just end up having one shipped to the house out of nowhere. Yeah, dude. We'll see, man. I, I just really appreciate the amount of firefighter business owned businesses out there. I mean, you got shit. You got Hotshot Brewery. You got Secondhand Slabs. Uh, oh shit! Speaking of which, um, some blows, some bros flag co. These guys take like old wood and like make American flags out of them for like wall art. You know, 
they make right. some pretty cool shit, dude. And they hit me up the other day, and uh, I'm gonna try and get them on the show. And uh, I, I think I convinced them to send uh, Vicky and Burke, uh, yeah, one of their flags, one of their full size wall flags. Yeah, that'd be sweet, man. It, it, I tell people all the time, and I've been, I need to get a hold of Burke and Vicky, and and let's see if we can get some stuff headed out and do uh, like a charity month um, from all the different businesses, but. I'm just, I love seeing, especially from the wildland side of it, even if they're municipal, but they're wildland based. Um, you know, the other couple of businesses that I watch now is um, like Stash Salt. Yeah, I've seen those guys running around too. Dude, I, I talk to him all the time, all the time. Pretty Great, cool, dude. dude. All their stuff that, you know, door wedge businesses and all the other folks that they, they're attached to, uh, like First Do Socks, 555 Fitness. Those guys are badass too, um, bro. It's it's so legit to see the different fire department, you know, organizations and supporting each other. Like uh, they did a big uh, stash salt came out and did a big thing in California because he's originally from, uh, you know, Southern Riverside County area, and they came out and did a big get together and uh, from Hotshot and myself we're going to go out and meet him, but we got kind of busy and he just he just shamelessly plugged my business. No Even shit. though we had like four other leather businesses that are firefighter owned out there um, and just shamelessly plugged my business to help me. And I, you know, I did a little bit of business with him and his wife and they're just fabulous, fabulous human beings. That's badass, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, I had speaking of firefighter owned businesses, I had Ty uh, from uh, Pulaski's and Barbells on the show as well. So he was a pretty cool dude. He was up here for uh, some schooling and he came by and we crushed some beers and recorded an episode. <laughs> He has a lot of cool shit to say about fitness. And uh, actually, he just did a uh, he just released the the Hotshots 19 shirt, a memorial shirt. And 100 percent of the proceeds are going to the Amanda Marsh and Eric Marsh uh, Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Nice. So really stoked about him and what he's got going on, too. Yeah, that's that's a cool gig, man. I I found him. um, Oh, God, probably I want to say like five, six months ago. Just randomly p- punching through some people on Instagram and all of a sudden it popped up and I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty rad. What's this? And then I see everybody like you and everybody else. It's like, oh, I'm, I follow, I follow, I follow. And that's how I find 90% of the firefighter owned businesses or even, you know, and we got to, we got to stop just doing the firefighter owned business. It's, it's the first responder owned businesses. How many cops oh, yeah, are out there whole. owning businesses and doing it and doing it right for all of us, not just them not just their line. Oh yeah. You know? So it's kind of cool to see, like, even though it's a firefighter owned business, um, like the Grove fitness out here in, in Redlands, California, Jared, who owns that. Um, I worked with him on the helicopter, worked with him on engines and a crew. And, and the, the guy's just, you know, f- former kickbox champion, just a bad, bad motherfucker. And he does the same thing. If you're a cop fire EMS or military, you come into the gym, it's discount. Yeah. It, it's discount land. And it's, and, and you're taken care of and your family. So we got one of those gyms up here too. And, uh, the, I don't think that uh, the gentleman that owns it is like a previous or a former wildland firefighter or firefighter EMS first responder, anything like that. But he came up with this bitching ass idea and it's a nonprofit CrossFit gym. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, it's pretty wild. But uh, basically the way it works is if you're a first responder, military, or a teacher, your membership rates are half. And dude, we both know that CrossFit gyms are like super (laughs) expensive. So it's like 120 bucks a month, but for like a standard member as a donation, right? But with that donation for, you know, your monthly membership fee, it covers 
a first responder or a teacher or a military, a former vet that come in. They work with like adaptive athletes. So people that have been wounded in combat, people nice. with uh, like uh, mental or, you know, physical things going on. They work with them right, exclusively. Right. That's like the whole premise of their business, dude. I really appreciate shit like that. That's so rad, dude. Yeah. yeah the um, I, and, and I'm glad you brought up the teacher thing because I think we forget that none of us would be where we are without having te- really good quality educated teachers, right? Oh, yeah. And everybody kind of just shits on teachers. Dude, my and wife used they, to be a teacher. And then they, what was that? My wife used to be a teacher. And, dude, the the shit that she dealt with, dealt with, yeah, I don't blame her for getting out of it. Man, my sister-in-law just became a, uh, a teacher out in Phoenix area. She just graduated from from uh, NAU out in Flagstaff. And she's like, I just want to I want to teach little kids, man. And to me, like, there's nothing more special than being able to reach out and and grab a kid and be like, listen, like we're going to, we're going to make you a better person today. That's like mentorship at its finest. Right. And I think as, as wildland firefighters, I think we forget that everything that we do every day is teaching somebody something, including ourselves. Right. So like, I'm I'm huge about mentorship at work. I've been an engineer for, you know, what now four or five years, four years. Um, and I think being a part of the various cadres that I am, you know, in the, in the region and in the forest is, we owe it to the people underneath us to, to, to give them everything that we have in our head because it's not about making them as good as we are. It's about making them better. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing is making the next generation of firefighter better than the one that preceded it. And right. if you really boil it down to it, I mean, our knowledge is built off, to the back, built off of the backs of the people that preceded us. So, yeah, that's what it really boils down to, man. You know, and I, and I think about it like this and you and I were talking offline, but... Um, you know, I'm second generation fireman. So I've been around a crusty old man that's 70 years old now, was 43 years in the fire department between three different agencies. Salty, um, former Dalton. Just <laughs> salty or old Del Rosa, Del Rosa sorry. crew boss. Man, I, growing up, I was like, man, I've never seen somebody drop trees like that. I've never done this. I've never seen that. I used to go to fires with him. And then, um, you know, he retired when I, when I came back from my very first assignment with Big Bear. My mom calls me and she's like, hey. Tomorrow's your dad's retirement party. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Did you I'm go? Like, what? You went, go. You went, right? Bro, I was sporting Big Bear Hotshot shirt, big ass beard, walked in and grabbed a beard, 19 years old, <laughs> grabbed a beard. And all of my training captains and all the folks that I worked with in Riverside County were like, what the fuck is that on your face? <laughs> it's standard issue when you go to a hotshot crew, you get a beard, right? Yeah, you get a beard, man. It's so, protect you from the It was uh, cool, man. Sun. I it, it was kind of cool. And, and now like my dad and I were talking the other day, um, he was coming over to see our, our newborn baby and hanging out with his grandson. And we were sitting here talking and he's like, how long have you been with the feds? And I said, uh, this is, uh, my 14th fire season. He goes, you know, I was 14 fire seasons before I left. No shit. So if I do one more year, I got him. <laughs> you going to hold that one over his head. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's badass though. So yeah, that's second generation firefighter coming from an old, uh, older salty former Del Rosa gentleman, yep. which and is you know, one of the oldest hotshot crews in the nation, if not the oldest. I know there's a big debate between Los Padres, uh, Chilao and, uh, Del Rosa. So, well, yeah. And, and what people don't remember is, is that all of these shot crews started as CCC crews, right? Yep. So Del Rosa's work center when they got brought on was a CCC work camp mm-hmm. and they got taken in and they were the very first IHC. The very first. 
Yep. Very first IHC ever created. Now you had HCs, you had, you had hotshot crews, which were, you know, regional hotshot crews, but yeah, you that... had inter, inter regional hotshot crews originally before it became interagency. Yeah. And Del Rosa was the very first interagency hotshot crew ever developed. Damn dude. Yeah. I, I was looking at the uh, hotshot history thing on, uh, was it Nipsey's website? And you yep. know what I didn't see in there is one of the other OG uh, hotshot crews. What was it? Um, let's see. It was uh, El Carrizo. Everybody forgets about El Carrizo. And it's between Del Rosa, El Carrizo, and LP. And LP. The, yeah, the, the first three. That was like the original OGs. And yep. that was Del Rosa. The closest reliable source of information I could find was 1946 for Del Rosa. El Carrizo was... 1947 and LP was, was uh, 48 and then Chilao, which, which uh, has been disbanded along with El Carrizo. And that was 1949. Yeah. Um, I think, and I'd have to look at it again. I think there's some other stuff that says that um, El Carrizo was like the end of 46 or was like the beginning of 47 and LP was the middle of 47. There's some stuff in there that doesn't match out. And then Chileo was there forever and then they got disbanded. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you had guys like, you know, the Converse hotshots. When I went, when I went to an engine on, on the mountaintop out of big bear, I worked out of the Converse station that actually used to be a hotshot compound. Oh no shit. Yeah. And had disbanded. And then you, you know, you guys, you got guys like, uh, crews like Mill Creek, right? Mill Creek's one of the, one of the old boys for, for the Purdue, uh, they've been disbanded once and brought back Vista grand still here. They're doing, they're just a bunch of ass kickers too. Um, lost a little, you know, lost one of the guys. It's, it's like a little brother to all of us, Brent, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, that was a hard one for us. That was a real hard one for us. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you've got two OGs and a, and two mail money crews that are on the Purdue oh, old mail buildup. Yeah. Oh man. And that's the only reason Big Bear's around was the mail buildup. So I didn't know they were a mail buildup crew. So, mm-hmm. huh, no shit. All right. So, all right. So, for the listeners out there, can you explain what the mail buildup was? Because this is kind of like one of those things that's like you very unique to R five. So, uh, mail money was money that was given to the region because of the amount of firefighting that was being done and the amount of. Um, I don't know if it was the suburban encroachment, but it was. We were getting more fires at bigger rates and faster speeds they needed to build a bigger fire force so the federal government gave individual forests money and the region money to actually bring in more engines and more shot crews and more helicopters um, to support the firefighting deal and that was let's see big bear started in the 2000s so that was as early as the 2000s was the last mail buildup which is crazy because, you know, that, that trend is still continuing to climb upwards at a very significant rate. You know, and everybody can, we can have the conversation. And if anybody's out there that's hearing this and saying, you know, he's stupid, he's wrong. He's, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, end all be all on the information I'm giving you on the mail money stuff. I just know that when I started on big bear, they're like, you, you, you know, you're lucky you're on a hotshot crew because this is a mail money buildup. But, uh, if anybody's out there and can correct it or give better information, call, call and get on the podcast yourself and give that information. Um, you know, I I look at it like, like this, right? So all the, the active firefighting and all the excessive crap we've been dealing with for what, at least the last 10 years, I think we only had one real lull season in California where we only had like one or two major fires. 
but those two major fires, you know, like the station fire killed, killed some folks. I was, that was my very first campaign fire was the station fire. Oh man. I was, uh, I was, I was actually on, um, I was on the DL as we, as I always called it, but I was on the injured list. I blown my knee out. This is the first year I went to a, uh, an engine and had blown my knee out. So I was off that season for the most part. It's working, actually working for our safety officer on the Purdue. But uh, I, I heard some some horror stories on the station fire. It was and pretty gnarly, co- man. Yeah, a couple years ago, we went back to Mount Wilson for a fire. Oh, no shit. And, dude, it was 14 days of night shift and OSB um, or standby, in case anybody doesn't know what that is. Because um, I'd never really heard of it until a couple years ago because I'd never gotten it. That's another thing that's kind of unique to California, too. It's OSB. I've never well, worked in Region it's 5, so it's not. No, it's, you know, but when you have, like, potential for huge incidents like, you know, the Thomas fire, the Woosley fire, or whatever. Yeah. Getting noted standby. Um, yeah, because, man, I mean, on we pull a lot of 24-hour shifts during fire season. Oh, yeah. And which that's is super unique to us. but Super unique to you guys. You know, we're not necessarily OSB just because we're on a 24-hour shift. We may just be on an extended shift or... Um, because we're already on a P code at that point. Yeah. So, so it's they like won't, a severity they won't code justify almost. OSB against the, the base code. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, it pulled like six or seven straight days of OSB on the, on the Mount Wilson fire. And I think they dumped like something crazy, like 75,000 gallons worth of, or, you know, 175,000 gallons worth of retardant on a 30 acre fire because of the actual infrastructure that we have. Yeah. Right. Well, Mount Wilson's like a bunch of, you would have a portable yeah. freaking um, retardant plant built in a parking lot. Oh, no put shit. out 35 acres. Oh yeah, dude. And it, I mean, it was legitimately needed Damn, fire God. way down in the canyons kind of thing. Nobody could get to it. We just, even the shots were like, dude, this is, this is just a really bad piece of area, this but it was sketch. right below the repeater towers. It was right below all of it. So I below mean, the observatory and the repeater towers up there, like the TV yep. antennas and shit. So, you know, where uh, speaking of the station fire, you know, where angels camp is, yeah, of course. Everybody knows where Angels Camp is. I did structure protection back in there. Some uh, the back at that church camp back there. Oh, okay, that was my very first like campaign fire. That was what two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, that was like when I started. That was actually the year I started, and it was <laughs> like I have never seen anything like that. And that was like first campaign fire. You know, you're going to like roadsides and single trees and like you know thirty acre fires in the middle of the fucking desert. Then you mm-hmm. show up to this camp where it's three individual camps. And each one of them are like 5,000 people each. It was like mind blowing to me. And now I look at it, it's like, oh, now this is ops normal. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a, I guess fire season's getting longer and, you know, it's fires are burning more intense. Well, and I think, I think the other regions are starting to see the fact that, yes, we lay our seasonals off in region five, but we still have a giant fire load and that it's probably not better to lay everybody off because we're going to be requesting everybody from other, other regions. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be the standing order was you go to region three from, from May until like the middle of July, August until the monsoons hit. Right. And then, and you might stay out there for a couple of days chasing lightning. I haven't been to, I haven't been to Arizona since 2006. No shit. That's how busy California has been every year. Damn. And that's what the thing that sucks too, is like, at least with, it seems like region four and region five, they kind of don't really play well with each other. I don't know if that's like a, a no. thing, but usually when you guys pull resources, it's from, you know, it's going to be late in the season. So those uh, regions that are kind of inactive around that late July era, er, like time frame. So region three, you know, 
maybe Montana or something like that. I don't know if it's that we don't play well with region four. I think what it is is the fact that we have two different operational GACs and Mm. that we have to send them to each other first and then they get, then they get shipped out nationally. Right. So they'll go to the Nick and then they'll get popped out to everybody else. Um, as far as you guys pulling people in though, from other regions though. Right. We hardly in region four, at least from my perspective, I I've hardly fought fire in region five. We've done a lot of stuff in North ops, but as far as South ops goes, you know, you need a huge ass fire to get actually out the door and down there. Right. So a lot of our stuff will come out of New Mexico, Arizona. Um, the other thing that you have to remember about us specifically in Southern California is that we have so many municipalities and we have so many cooperators. Yeah, it's super complex. We don't necessarily need the help all the time. True. And and, I, and it's not that we're, you know, we're the big dog on campus or we're the badasses. That's not that's not our mentality. I mean, somebody's going to tell you that it is, but it's not. The fact is is that you know, when I came down to the front country as a GS6 um, AFEO assistant fire engine operator, my first season, I was signed off as an IC type 4. Oh, no shit. Yeah, instantly. I mean, every fire that we catch in the Cajon Pass, which if you know anything about the 15 freeway. It sucks and it's hot. Yeah. Oh, it's it's almost <laughs> as bad as the 91 out here. But because, you know, and you know, we're from California because we call everything the and then the name of the freeway instead of the it's Interstate seven. 10. Yeah. It's, it's the 10. Um, the 15 freeway, we catch fires that are immediately IC4. And it's and 90 percent of the time, it's only because of the amount of shit we have on scene yeah you got so many cooperators and all these other agencies and it's also to begin with in a multi-jurisdictional like dispatch zone so the right. complexity so let me just give you ramps a up I, I actually used to work in dispatch and, and have a kind of a uh, pretty sweet background in it so you from the from the purdue itself in san Bernardino, from the purdue forest you'll get five engines two shot crews um that at least one type two helicopter coming mm-hmm. from the, the peak depending on where it is if it's if it's my general area we'll get we'll get prado from cal fire or we'll get both of them um and then and that's just the ground resources and a water tender and that's automatic dispatch yeah so five engines two crews a water tender a chief officer a patrol and a law enforcement officer now the cooperators on the ground resources will be five five to seven engines uh a type one um inmate camp crew or a conservation crew um a water tender or two and then then you have comm center, which is not the state. That's the county stuff. The county will get the cities that are closest to it, and they will dispatch, or the county fire, San Bernardino County Fire will dispatch a crew, whether it's their inmate crew or their their old Cajon Type 2 IA crew, um, who I believe is trying to go Type 1 and possibly um, possibly already have it under state reg. That's badass. But, but they deserve it. They're, yeah, they're, they're a really good crew. Yeah, I've worked with them before. Um, yeah, they're fantastic, man. The The... The guys at Old Cajon are just fantastic human beings, and their superintendent's just an—he's just an old fireman who just gets it and loves it, and it's just a mountain goat. Um, and his brother's a battalion chief in one of the cities down here, who's a division qual on a Type One, and they're both just mountain goats. That's badass. Um, yeah. So, and then you'll get the county, so you'll get their two crews, their five engines, that water tender, and now we talk about aircraft, just you know, two fixed wing, two rotor wing, minimum a fixed fixed wing air attack or a, a, a spotter and then you know whatever the whatever the state and the county's got so by the time you get on scene there's at least 12 to 15 pieces of equipment so around here like most well not maybe necessarily around here because we have a lot of like wooey and cooperators around here in reno but if mm-hmm. you get out to like uh you know some of your more rural areas 
once you have that many disp- that many engines on a cr- on a uh, emerging incident, it's a, it's even beyond a Type Four at that time. Just the complexity in those areas dictate that the amount of resources say that oh yeah, this is going to be a Type Three incident just right off the bat. If we right. were to have that amount of resources send into our fires, you know. So well, and, and the listeners can't see me, but I'm smiling on this end because that that's technically what it should be for us too. But a lot of the time, um, even the like a lot of us as engineers on the front country, especially, and a lot of the good the, the folks that work around us, um, even on the jack or the mountaintop or even off the Angeles, 95% of the engineers are going to be IC4 qualified because of the fact that we have so much crap all the time. Yeah, which makes sense too. I mean, it's just like I mean, it's. In reality, you know, that's probably bordering a mid-level type three organization structure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we actually have, um, I, and I, I believe it's the, one of the first years that we've actually really legitimately made an area, uh, type three area command team. No shit. With our, with our cooperators. Yeah, we're, we're trying it out, man. And, and we're finding that, you know, for a long time, all of us down here didn't play ball real well. Well, the last, you know, five, six years, all the agencies have gotten together and really starting to play ball really well. And they're all like, listen, if we show up on your scene and we know it's yours, we'll let you keep it until it gets to the bigger level. And then, you know, we'll ask to take it over, but we'll put you into certain positions and stuff like that. Like so they're really, everybody's really um, meshing really well and trying to get stuff done. And it, it just, you know, just a shout out to our cooperators who everybody thinks they're a big pain in the ass all the time. But you know what, man, they've got a different mission and we're just doing the same thing and we're just trying to get our mission done and they make it work. Everybody's making it work. Well, it makes sense down there to actually run the organization like that just yeah. because of so many people, so many cooperators, so many Fed agencies, BLM, BIA, Forest Service, all that yeah. stuff. So, you know, and everybody, everybody's really got to remember that when, we're, when you're dealing with a different cooperator, their mission is totally different than ours. Oh, yeah. For the most part. So we have to allow them to do their job. Everybody just needs to let everybody do their jobs and stop and stop fighting, whether it's region four and region five together, or it's, you know, us versus them down here, or it's, you know, I don't know if you ever went to Texas in 2011, but we spent a lot, I spent a lot of time in Texas. I was on Bastrop complex down there. Okay. I was down there during PK. Okay. And then a little bit before that and a little bit afterward in Houston, worked with some really good people um, that were with BLM at the time that are now uh, foremans up in Wyoming um, for the forest service. Um, really good friend of mine, Kendra Jackson, and some other folks from the Forest Service side up there. Um, but man, we fought a lot of fire down there. And if it, everybody, other than the terminology, everybody, they played well. Everybody wanted to just go have a good time, put some fire out, put some fire on the ground, put some things out, and then go home and, and eat good barbecue and relax. And that's not what I'm getting at between, you know, when I said that Region 4 and Region 5 don't really play well with each other. It's just that we just have completely different missions and completely different structures of organization that and you guys well you guys have a shit ton of resources so (laughs) (laughs) i wish we could get down there more but you know of course i don't want to see the forest burn but you know well no and i mean you're not lying when you say we don't you know we don't uh we don't play ball very well i i get it i mean there's places even in region five where some of the forests don't play well together true i mean we're right next to the inyo and we get called up there and a lot of the times they won't come down to our fires because they're just not requested or they're not, they're not in the GAC rotation when the, when the, when the message gets hit and it's no fault of anybody's. It's just, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. I spent 14 days last year out there and 
grew up fishing up there and it was just fantastic. I wish we could have gotten up into the Walker Basin area for that big fire. So beautiful up there, dude. Oh man. Yeah. I, I love that. If I, between Bridgeport and, and Carson, man, I would freaking, I would live there in a heartbeat. It's beautiful country over there, man. That's, that's for damn sure. The whole Eastern Sierras, dude, that's like oh, yeah. one of my favorite places and it's just a shop skip and a jump from where I'm at. So. Yeah. But see, I'm one of them weirdo cowboys from California. That's like, Oh, I'd live in Winnemucca. I'd, I'd, I'd go to Elko. Hit up Ty, man. If you, <laughs> he'll uh, point you in the right direction. I just want to work for uh, Capriolas out there in in, uh, in Nevada, man. Oh, Capriati's the the sandwich place, or no? Capriolas is a uh, oh, old school saddle shop that's out there, man. And they're they are like the uh, the basis for Buckaroo everything. Like, oh no shit! If you want to buy something to to go cowboy and Buckaroo? That's where you go. You go to you go to Capriolas, and they're just that's just life. Huh, I thought you were saying Capriati's. I'm like, why the fuck would you want to work for a why sandwich would I want, shop? Uh, why do I want to work for a sandwich place in <laughs> Reno? I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Oh, shit. Anyways, we now, just went. Now, Cabela's, that's a different ballgame. There we go. Cabela's, you know, they're they're pretty good. Um, I try and avoid that place like the plague just because of the sheer amount of people that are in there. But uh, every once in a while, they have some pretty good sales. You can go in there, like, get some pretty cool hunting and fishing shit. Yeah. 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 Dude, we just went down a big ass rabbit hole. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what the hell we were talking about. We we're talking about your leather company, man. Uh, the importance of a side hustle, and uh, oh yeah, that's what I was gonna get to next before we jump down that hole. Is uh, so all of your stuff is made uh, in America, sourced in America, American made, everything. Explain a little yeah. bit about that. So, you know, when I got started doing this, I could really only afford to go to one of the companies and I don't, I don't really want to drop their name because, you know, I still buy some stuff from them every once in a while. But what I buy from them is, you know, stuff that's like daubers or, you know, gel and stuff, gel antiques or dyes or something like that. But I've, I've kind of gotten away from shopping at this specific uh, name brand leather supply company. We'll mm-hmm. just put it that way. Everybody that knows leather will know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, and I, I started sourcing my stuff to mom and pop shops. Um, my buddy Aaron, who taught one of the first classes that I ever attended, um, former army vet. I mean, just a, just an outstanding human being owns maker supply, makers leather supply in Texas. I buy a lot of my stuff from him. Um, panhandle leather, good old cowboy owns that place. I buy most of my, you know, my carving leathers and stuff that, that will make the veg tan stuff, um, from them. And then, you know, uh, the hide house up in, in Napa, California, I buy a lot of stuff from them, but everything that I source now, um, other than maybe a couple of different threads, and that's only because I was requested to use those specific threads. Everything's American made. The hides come from an American ranch. They get tanned in an American tannery. They get sold by American companies. Uh, most of my threads that are in my machines are, if not all of them are all from the same spot. They're all from the same thread maker here in America. Um, most of my tools, my knives, everything else is going to be like old school, like C.S. Osborne, who's one of the oldest leather making and um, actually used to make tools for, for uh, sailors to do ship repairs. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And then, you know, I've got some stuff from when I used to shoe horses. Um, I don't want to call myself a farrier because I was a really bad shoer. I only, <laughs> I only did it to my own horses, so I don't really want to claim anything on that. But a lot of the tools that I had there I use here. Um, but – all of my hand tools are American made. All of my hides come from an American ranch, come from an American tannery. All my threads come from an American um, textile facility. My sewing machine came from an American company here in Southern California. Um, the wood I buy to, 
to build my benches is all from there. The, the stuff that's internal, all the leathers that I use, um, the hardware I buy from an American company that actually makes them in house. So like all my roller buckles, all my D rings, all my O rings, all my, um, all my hardware comes from one specific person in the Midwest that everything is American made in hand. That's kind of cool, man. Cause that kind of reminds me of, uh, when I did the episode with JK boots and they're telling me about how they source all their leather, American made everything. And you know what, dude, that was cool about them too, is, uh, they're actually, they immigrated to the country. Their dad immigrated from the country from, uh, a very war touring country. And he just basically wrote and lived the American dream. So yep. it's pretty badass, man. I think, uh, I, I appreciate, you know, American made stuff. Well, and I, and I think as a, as a country, we get away from, we just want it quick and fast, right? Everybody's an Amazon. Well, it's a race to the bottom being. for the most part. Right. Well, so, and like we were talking offline, like I read a thing the other day that said, uh, that it was probably the best thing in the world to me was, uh, support your local business because Amazon won't sponsor your kid's team. Exactly. So for me, like to be able to sit here and drink a Coors beer who backs the wildland firefighter foundation to have, um, my buddies at Battleborn Buckaroo brand and a, and a bunch of other brands that are out of Nevada and I, and like great basin brewing company. I got their stickers all over the place. I love their beer. You know, dude, Stuff I, like that. speaking of great basin, man, I thinking about putting uh, towards the end of the season, I think I should do like a meetup. Just go to great basin. See, just crush some beers and talk shop, man. At the end of the season, dude, I, I might be able to make that dude. You got a place to crash. Just saying. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that it's really important to, I'll give you another prime example. So like Drew's boots, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I stopped wearing whites a couple of years ago. I found Drew's rough out boots to be the most comfortable thing for me. I, I see those folks every year at national finals rodeo. Um, they're, they're just great people. They build really great quality boots. I haven't had the occasion to have JK boots yet. Um, but Drew's also sells a boot called, I call it Olathe. Some people call it Olathe. I wear tall top boots. I'm, I'm a 17 inch with a big freaking slung heel, riding heel, um, old buckaroo style. And those are American made boots. And I won't, I won't wear any other cowboy boot, but Olathe. Yeah. It's just, that's just my thing because it's, they're American. You know, I, I drive a Chevy, I drink Coors beer and I have, I have what I have because that's where I feel like I need to have it. And supporting American small business is exactly what we should be doing. I agree with you, man. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And, uh, oh shit. Speaking of businesses, man, um, I'm thinking about doing merch and, uh, you're, uh, I'm thinking about doing some leather patch hats, man. How do you think about, uh, maybe working together and doing some hats, some patches, yeah. and some hats, dude, I'm so down. You're like the second person in, in today. That's actually talked to me about it. Uh, my buddy, Billy, that I was telling you about earlier, Collinsworth, um, he was talking about doing him want to do some pricing and stuff, but we're going to do some custom carved stuff with him. And dude, I think we should get, uh, get your emblem, at least get a stamp made. We can get some stuff stamped out. I can sew them all onto the caps, um, and get them shipped out. We can do them for a reasonable price. And I think everybody would freaking be all about it. I think it'd be cool, man. Uh, now this whole talk about small business stuff like that. I'm, you know, that's, that's the thing is like this, this whole podcast is basically self-supported. It's ran by me, edited by me. Everything on this fucking thing is done by me. But now I'm getting to the point where that shit's expensive and I work for the government. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, not that I'm bitching about the amount of money that I make a year, but. Uh, oh, I will. <laughs> I mean, it's it's we make a good, good, well, good wage, but 
I only make that wage for six months out of the year. But if I can get this podcast to be self-supporting, I'd be happy. And then, you know, obviously do some donations to the you know Wildland Firefighter Foundation, is, of course, you know. You know, I, I think I think what we all forget sometimes is that just because we can't afford it right now doesn't mean we can't save to buy from small business. You know, there's a um, there's a couple of small businesses that sell uh, pants and shirts like cowboy stuff all the time. Right. So like the thrifty cow hand out in New Mexico, big shout out to them. Um, I just ordered some some pants and shirts from them. They are supporting another small business my buddy at Battleborn Buckaroo and another small business that I buy from and another small business that I buy from. And I, and I really find that people get really kind of upset that, you know, my shop price is my shop price and I charge you what I charge you. And if you don't like it, you can go away kind of attitude. And it's like, listen, man, I'm here to make, I'm, I'm here to make a living off my, my side hustle, but I'm also here to give you the top, the the highest quality product that I can give you. And and that's going to last forever. Exactly. And, the one thing I will tell you is never be afraid to turn people down, but always be open to accepting any job. Fair enough. Because there's jobs, man, there's jobs out there that I've, I've been asked to do like in saddle work. Like eventually I would like to make this a saddle shop. This will, this will eventually I'll, I'll pump out a couple saddles a year just, just to be a, a saddle maker. Cause that's where I really want this to go. But for right now I'm not making saddles. I don't do saddle repair. I, I have, folks that do that. And I send those other people to that small shop because that's where it should be. Yeah. Um, but their rates are way higher than mine. So maybe I should just start doing saddle repair. Um, but no, man, I, I really think that people need to remember that, you know, Amazon's not going to give you the quality that you want. They're going to give you the quantity and small business such as this, that's going to give people an entertainment value. That's actually better for their education than just going out and, excuse my friends finger fucking their phone playing video games all day. Yeah, I mean, you got more value here than there. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I hope Coors hears me and said, and, and listens that they need to sponsor this as well. And I think <laughs> JK boots needs to send around a boots to some folks for testing as I have air quotes <laughs> here, because we all know what that's going to do. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I think everybody out there, you know, dove into the mystery ranch world. And I can't blame them because we did. And I love their packs. Um, I'd like to see them, you know, come back. I'll say it right now. And when eventually if they ever come on the show, they can call me out on it. I don't care. But, um, you know, the, <clears throat> and as we're talking about small business, I'm going to give a, a, a shout out right now. So Hot Shot Brewery, um, former Hot Shot dude does some good things for the wildland firefighter foundation continues to do some things for the wildland firefighter foundation that we, that the rest of us probably can't because we don't have the money mm-hmm. came from a, came from a business background that owned a, uh, a pack manufacturer. I won't name the name that nobody else liked. Um, and sold his shares and started another business and then started another business. Um, and now has ventured into type one gear. Mm-hmm. Type one gears makes me, I just actually, uh, ordered four. Four of those uh, hotshot hotels, bro. He's making some good stuff. Yeah, he's making. Have you seen those packs, dude? They're fucking cool. Like so, what, uh, Raponi, the medic that I interviewed the other uh, two, I don't know, two, three, four weeks ago or whatever. She actually. Yes, yeah, our girl. I still owe you a belt. Oh shit! There we go, Raponi. If you're out there, hit up Adam. <laughs> well, she was showing me that uh, Type One gear. I'm like, these are fucking cool, man. Because we always go to like the big giant, you know 
name brand kind of duffel bags for our our red yep. bags, you know. But what he's got going on, uh, it's waterproof. Yep. These things sit in an unprotected box that's never waterproof, you know. And like, I, there's nothing more than I hate, especially working in the Pacific Northwest for so long, than wet fucking clothes. Yep. Wet shit sucks. <laughs> so. Shout Especially out when to you've been to, wet uh, all those day. Guys. You don't oh, yeah, get dude. back into wet shit. No, no. And then it's cold and then you're like fucking miserable. It sucks. So it, well, I appreciate it though that he has the uh, firefighter's perspective and he knows what to expect in the field and build something of quality around that experience. Well, and I have to give him this too. And this is something that him and I always giggle about because I talk <laughs> probably twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, he will call me or he'll call a couple of our other buddies down there on the Cleveland and he will come to our stations and he will talk to the firefighters. What would you like to see? What will work? What size do you have? Let me measure your truck. Let me sit, figure out what these things are and let me get back to you. And he sits down with me and we'll sit like, just like you and I are on a phone call right now. And he'll sit there and draw and I'll draw and we'll figure some stuff out. And then he just goes to work and he mm-hmm. figures it out. He actually gets a hold of the people that he wants to influence or be a part of, and he asks their opinion. He just doesn't assume that that's what they want. Well, it's because he gives a shit, not only about right. his business, but also about the firefighters that are going to be using his stuff, man. He cares about the quality of his shit. So right. it shows. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. I wish we could see more businesses out there like that, you know, and actually uh, more people, because everybody's like scared to take that that leap and actually get into the the whole thing, you know, it's, it's a daunting thing. It can be overwhelming, but fuck dude, in the end of the day, do it. Well, people forget that four hours of sleep is better than no hours of sleep. So if you, if you're working an eight hour shift, you know, and I, and my wife and I have talked about this, especially before we have had our little boy, Rhett. Um, congratulations by the way. Thank you, sir. Two weeks old. Um, you know, we talked about this a lot. It was, especially when we did the order for NFR a couple of years ago, I would, I would go work an eight, 10 hour shift. And that was during the winter. So we were working four tens. I would work a four, I would work a 10 hour shift. So I'd go in at, you know, seven 30 and be home by six. Um, and then I'd come home and I'd work until three in the morning and then I'd sleep to. for a few hours and then I'd get back up and I'd go to work. Yeah. But that's a, it, a dedication to your craft and your passion for the craft. You know, if you want to make it work, make it work. If you don't, if you just want to talk about it, then go find somebody at the bar that's going to listen to you because the rest of us that are working our ass off to make our names and make our, make our reputations and, and, uh, help our fellow man have a, have a good quality product to live the rest of their life with. We don't have time for that shit. I'm, I'm here to make good heirloom level knife sheaths and gun holsters. And I'm, I'm here to make good working tack for cowboys. And I'm here to make, you know, two can holsters for guys like you, (laughs) um, belts for Raponi. Yeah. Belts for Raponi. She wants freaking. I always called it the devil's lettuce, but it's uh, my definition of it. But it's uh, poison poison oak. I'm gonna do a <laughs> poison oak sea dragon across her belt. Dude, uh, her and poison oak do not get along. That's that's the irony of the belt. That's oh, the yeah. funny part about it. There's only two types but, of firefighters in this world: ones that have had poison oak, and ones that will get it. Will get poison oak. Just like kind of firefighters and then shitting their pants on the line. There's the only two types of firefighters. <laughs> yeah. Ones that have been there and ones that are about to be there. Yep. <laughs> you, you know, and I, and I look at it like this too, is I've got, I've got templates for everything. You know, the, the little steno pads that we use, I make covers for those. That's stuff that the guys are going to have until they retire. I mean, that's, oh, that's yeah. just quality level shit. Yeah. And, I, and I take crew a lot boss. of pride in that. You should make crew boss kits, man. That'd be pretty badass. 
I could do it. I just need somebody to, to want one and, and to sit down and tell me what they want and we'll create one. And see, that's the thing too, is like, that's like people are kind of failing to realize with this whole race to the bottom, as far as pricing goes, kind of bullshit is mm-hmm. that in the long run, you're going to be spending less money. If you fork the money out up front and buy something that's going to actually fucking last you, man. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about crew boss kits is, I have my crew boss kit, but I have one of those old 911 red crew boss or IC management uh, like pocket divider folders. Yeah. And I've ha- I have two of those. I have one for my engine boss and one for my crew boss stuff. And 90% of the time I use it for my crew boss stuff and the other, you know, 10% of the time I'm using it for IC4 or IC3 training stuff that's what or strike team leader stuff. Yeah, that's what I use it for, dude. I just cram all that stuff, engine boss, crew boss, helicopter manager, friggin' uh, IC four, I cram it all in there. Yeah. So, I mean, we can make it. I, and, and I tell everybody all the time, I can make anything, but I want to make sure that we're making what you want. Exactly. I don't want to, I don't, I hate my biggest pet peeve. And I, and I love it that people give me the freedom, but I hate when people go, well, you're the artist you figured out. Ooh, I had a, no, it's, it's a two way street there, man. And you can't talk to your, your tattoo artist. Be like, I want a tattoo and just leave it at that. Yeah. Have fun yeah. with it. Just, yeah, uh, dude. here's 150 bucks. Take your hour and go. Um, I had some, I had a, a, a couple of jobs this winter where people gave me, you know, artistic freedom. And then because they said, well, you know, I'm not the leather guy. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, here's the couple of things that I want on it. And I did it and they were like, I'm, I'm not happy. It's like, well, I, I've contacted you. I've given you, you know, all this stuff for you to okay. And you've okayed it. And that's exactly what you okayed. And now you're not happy with it. So which, I mean, that's fine. It, we're going to have that. And, and not everybody's going to agree with what, what goes down. And, and I'll never charge anybody for anything that they don't like. Yeah. Um, and it was a very, very big learning curve for me because I'd never had actually anybody tell me they didn't like something I made. But it was kind of nice to have a different perspective. So I learned and I moved on. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. It just It's one of those things where we got to stop being scared of failure as 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 people in this job and allow ourselves to open up to a new, you know, we keep calling it the side hustle, but a new endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, if these people are still scared to do it, they probably shouldn't ever think about it because they'll never get it done. Yeah. And the people that are willing to bust their ass and not sleep and to sacrifice a little bit of themselves for their, for their art are the ones that are going to thrive. Oh, absolutely, man. But that's, you know, you're going to get out what you put in basically at the end of the day. That's what it boils down to, man. Well, and it's like I tell people and I want everybody that's listening to this to remember something, you know, and when you when you bitch about the price of JK boots and you bitch about the price of a steel chainsaw and you bitch about the price of this and that and the other, you're not paying somebody for their 30 minutes of work or their hour of work. You're paying them for the, the 10, 15, 20, 30 years worth of practice and education that it took them to get there. Um Still didn't become still overnight. They, it took them a long time. You know, JK boots didn't just become JK boots. Somebody had to study under somebody else in the boot making world in order for them to understand the properties of making a boot. Right. So, I mean, when you come to a shop that makes custom leather, you know, custom tables or, you know, custom clothes, you know, I, I do some purses here and there. I'm not, I don't wear a purse. I don't, I don't care a purse, but my wife does. Mm -hmm. And I've got experts around me that wear them all the time. So, the nice thing is, is that I have SMEs that can help me out. Yeah, as but long as you have the you're subject paying for experts. their expertise too. Oh yeah, well, that's the thing. It's compounding. You know, it's it's you're not 
you're not paying somebody for the 30 minutes of time that it took to make that thing. And this yeah. is actually, I'm quoting one of my physical therapists, actually. You're not paying for them to, for the 30 minutes of time that it took them to do whatever they're doing for you. You're paying them for the years of dedication, dedication. behind it. A lot of people fail to realize that. Yep. We just want instant gratification. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, not the case. You know, and, and that's the problem is everybody wants that. It's kind of like when, when I was teaching uh, firearms instruction with some friends and, and taking classes and stuff like that. Because I'm a civilian. I never served, right? Mm-hmm. So we were talking about this earlier. But I did teach um, – I did help teach some small groups for firearms, you know, pistol, rifle, and shotgun. I was a, a range safety officer for years. I, you know, worked for a couple of different companies. Um, one of them, which you probably see – well, you, you probably wouldn't notice them, but you, you, you'll be at SHOT Show with them. Um, but – I would always tell people, you know, everybody wants immediate gratification. So oh, what yeah. do we stick on the range? What do we always stick on the range for everybody to feel good? A safety officer? Steel. Steel? Oh, yeah. We well, put steel yeah, targets steel. up, right? Because yeah. you hit you hit a steel, you instantly hear gratification. Bam, I, I, hit, I hit that shot. Yeah. I nailed it. And now, don't get me wrong, because I, I love running I put, Tuesday night steel comp- competitions because, dude, there's nothing like that, like ripping through a USPSA course where it's just all steel. <laughs> it's like ping, 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 ping. Yes, that's awesome. It's fun. Right. Now, you you go over and you do a paper tournament or a paper shoot, mm-hmm. and I tell you I need you you know three rounds in the A spot, four rounds in B. Uh, I want four rounds in the head, but I want them you know less than a quarter size. And somebody fails, they automatically get down on themselves. Well, you got yeah. I mean, well that's the thing. Maybe your fundamentals aren't strong enough to actually perform that. You got to build on fundamentals, you know, as far as shooting goes. But 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 concept is the same, right? You don't pay me. You don't pay me to shoot steel. You pay me to shoot paper because exactly. I better be good at it. I think you're completely right with Aaron, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentals, you can't beat them. And then again, nope. years of dedication, years of experience, man. Well, what's that old saying? You know, good experience is wisdom. Wisdom is learned through bad experience. Yep. Uh, who said that? That was, uh, God, I can't remember who said that. It, some Everest climber said that, I believe. Oh, uh, it was. I think it was before. I think that was like an Emerson or a. I don't even know. I, know. I, I could pull it up, but I'm uh, FaceTiming you, and yeah, it's exactly. It's crap, been a so. long time since I've been in L380. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have shit. Have you taken uh, L300 yet? L300, no. Or L3. I'm sorry, L381. No, not. I haven't yet. Not yet. You can take L381, dude. You'll have a blast. I took it this winter. Is it is it fun? Bro, it was probably the funnest class I've taken with the Forest Service ever. Nice. Um, I don't know. We're going to get off subject here a little bit. But, yeah, dude, it's probably the it's probably the funnest class I've ever taken with the Forest Service. That's operational it, leadership, it, right? It, it was a pure leadership course. Yeah. Operational leadership is, like, the name of the course, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. I, I have the cert somewhere. But, uh, man, we went in there. The guy that was in there that used to be a um, – he's a, a former Army Ranger – on uh, Delta and some other things and did some other things and talked to some other people and did some other things. But I mean, the guy was just fantastic. Led a really good class, really good. The f- cool thing was to see um, folks that used to work at NIFC are part of this cadre. Oh, really? And they, they were all about it. That's they were badass. all about it. So question for you about L381. I know we're not supposed to talk about L380, L381. It's kind of like Fight Club, right? You first yeah, rule about right? L380. You don't talk about L380. But did you guys, air quotes here, fly down to South America again? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> nope. It was a it was a whole different disaster from a whole different company. Okay. Um, 
sorry, I'm sitting here sharpening my freaking one of my one of my cutting instruments for this crap. I've got ADHD, man. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, oh, bro, I, I get so much stuff done, but it's all done throughout the day because I started it all at 8 a.m. and have to figure it out by six. Um, so let's see. The company that they brought in, I had never been around. Mm-hmm. And it was um, the guy that owns it's a former special operations Delta operator and uh, officer, actually. And from what I remember, his wife actually used to be a smoke jump, smoke jumper pilot. Oh, no shit. Um, and then like everybody on the cadre was some huge, you know, GS fantastic at an NIFC at one point or another. And it was just the cadre was just fantastic. Fantastic. I gotta go take that. man. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a yeah, ton of it, fun. You gotta, you gotta take, come down and take a class with us, dude. Shit, make them, yeah. make them pay for it. We'll see. We'll see about that. I don't know, man. <laughs> they don't like letting me uh, go out of out of the region. You know, you know how it is with like paying for classes and shit. You got to stay within region. Yeah, unless stuff, you want to so. go to Florida and burn. I don't know about FTPC though, or FC, whatever, whatever, whatever the it's called. Yeah, the prescribed fire training center uh, down there in Florida. I always wanted to go down there and check it out, but to be honest with you, man, it's like a useless call for me because I'm a desert rat. Right. So I don't know. It's fun. I like burning, but then again, that's kind of like a, a thing with all firefighters. So they're harnessing their inner pyro. There's like favorite thing to do is prescribe fire or, you know, stopping the fire before it comes to us. I'm, I'm not going to disagree, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, shit, dude. I think, uh, I think that's a time point. Cool, man. I'm all about it. All right, dude. Well, uh, end of the show. You want to give a shout out to anybody? Got a mentor hero, anybody like that? Um, let's see, man. I, I, I've got so many mentors out there, man. Um, Paul Serta, who's, I believe, the number two chief out in Colorado now on one of the forests, um, was my very first captain when I worked on Big Bear Shots. He's always been kind of a mentor to me and stuff that he stuck with, um, stuck with us to believe in being, being better firemen and being students of fire. Um, just a lot of folks. I mean, even my old man was a mentor. But, uh, you know, my current captain you know, Reno, he's, he's a super good mentor. Um, I don't know, man, I get super blessed on the Purdue. We got, we got a lot of good mentors down there and a lot of old salty guys that just, they don't care about your feelings. They care about your education. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And a lot of folks that are, you know, former Marines that are former Marine snipers, like my buddy uh, Blair and, and a couple other folks that are down here, just, just bad motherfuckers on the shot crews. Um, you know, and in the business world, my buddy Bo that, that owns Bent Hammer Leather out of Texas, he's a huge mentor for me on the leather business, um, even on the business side of things, um, coming from Hot Shop Brewery, you know, he, he sat down with me and helped me do a bunch of things, got me into a contact group with, with folks that, um, you know, they, they own big, you know, knife businesses or guns businesses and stuff like that. And yeah. I've been able to help me out with things. Um, and, you know, guys like Brian that are doing it every day to help help their fellow vet that can't or won't be able to do the same thing that they did, you know, during before, before their accidents or before service. You know, those are the kind of guys that I, I look up to and that I mentor with and, 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 uh, and make it real, you know, and my buddy Tim who owns, you know, pro image transport in Southern California, he's always, you know, he's kind of the epitome of the, uh, the dad in the group of our friends. He's just a super, super good dude. And they're all about business and all about fun and family and, 
the Sunday dinners, the old Italian style Sunday dinners kind of deal with the families. And hell yeah. You know, my kids, his nephew and his kids will be my nephews and nieces and all of our friends, kids are all of our nephews and nieces and everybody else. So man, it's just, we, I'm, I'm surrounded and I've got a village of really good people. That's awesome, man. And it's important to have those mentors, those heroes, those educators, you know, cause it's only going to make you a better person. So the value of mentorship yeah. or just being surrounding yourself, surrounding yourself with good people in general Absolutely. is extremely, or it's extremely important. There's a lot of value in that. Well, and it's humbling. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that one of my battalion chiefs, Sal Reyes said to me one time was, uh, you know, you're going to be the guy that's got the questions, right? You're going to pick up the phone. You're going to call the people that, that, you know, I'll help you like my old captain, Paul Mandolini and my current captain Reno. Um, I'll pick up the phone and call them about anything, but you know, you've made it as a mentor or as a leader when people call you for the answers. Oh, hell yeah. And I think, you know, for us that are middle management or not even middle management, but more of the, the folks on the line that are getting after it and trying to lead people and stop being managers. And that's the biggest problem that we find with the, the feds, right? Is everybody wants to be a manager. Nobody wants to be a leader. So the leaders that we have now need to remember that it's okay to ask questions, but strive to be the person that everybody calls to, to, to get the answers from. I think it's important that we don't forget our roots too and where we came from. Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. Well, shit, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Mr. Adam Tinker with Palm Leaf Leather. He's holding up a uh, Coors Banquet <laughs> beer right now. So shout out to Coors Original there. And uh, yeah, yeah. You thank you guys for supporting the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. I really appreciate it. But yeah, man, thanks for coming on the show. Um, check out his business. Uh, where can we find you on the socials? So Instagram is going to be uh, Palm Leaf Leather. Uh, same with Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I've never been a Twitter guy. I can't figure um, it out. <laughs> don't, don't have an Etsy. Don't want to, sh- I, I don't build enough stuff, um, to have a shop. So I, I do primarily custom work or, you know, uh, palmleaf.leather at gmail.com. Shoot me, a, shoot me an email or call me. My number's on my Instagram. Um, shoot me a, shoot me a text or shoot me a call and we can talk about, you know, different, uh, different projects that we need to get done for you guys. Hell yeah, dude. You got a website set up too, or are you just going straight through the socials? Man, I, I was going to do a website and I actually had some, some family friends pay for the domain. And I just, I don't do enough constant work. I don't have, you know, wallets and bags and everything laying around here to, to sell on a constant basis. Cause I was so consumed with just doing custom work that, uh, I didn't do a website yet. I, I think, I think this year, maybe at the end of the year, I'm going to sit down and probably talk to and, and really sit down and create a website and get some stuff on there. But most of my stuff is all on my Instagram. I mean, everything gets put to my Instagram. That's, it's just where everything gets put. Um, and it gets transferred over to Facebook. Um, but we're definitely, we're definitely a place that will take on the job or at least try to. And if we can't, we'll put you in the right direction with somebody that can. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, shit, dude. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. And uh, we'll look, uh, keep our eyes peeled on your socials to see what else is uh, coming out there with your custom work. It's fucking yeah, man. cool, man. Uh, definitely, if you guys are uh, ever sitting in fire camp or you know in the hurry up and wait kind of situation, definitely check out his stuff. Hit him up if you guys want anything. And uh, yeah, have a safe season, dude. Yeah, you too, man. I'll be back in August. I'm taking a, I'm taking a bunch of weeks off for my kid, but uh, once I get back in August, we're gonna get after it. I'm strike team leader trainee now, so Shit, we gotta yeah, get dude. we gotta get busy. <laughs> Hope well, fire season heating up, man. It's coming. Yeah, you bet. Right on, dude. Well, All right, guys. Bubba. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, check them out later, guys.
guys there we go episode number 10 in the books with adam tinker and palm leaf leather dude just want to say thank you for coming on the show and uh sharing your insight about starting a business and uh what you do and uh hopefully uh your message will resound with our listeners and uh yeah i i know that we have thousands of talented people out there with tons of skills they may be talented at like woodworking or whatever it may be but i hope that this episode inspires you guys to go forth and make a business do a little side hustle and keep yourselves entertained and happy you know keep doing what you're loving over the uh, winter and let it work for you as well and make some money off of it you know but yeah we covered a lot of topics uh Jeez, we went down a real big rabbit hole about uh, operations in SoCal and how it's pretty much every incident is an instant type 3, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the United States. Pretty crazy to think about, but yeah, that's the way they do business. I just want to give a shout-out to a couple of firefighter-owned businesses. Uh, Hotshot Brewery, of course. Uh, they're doing some great things, especially with the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Uh, secondhand Slabs. Uh, and uh, some bros flag co check those guys out too they're making like uh, they're like American flags with wood burning and art and uh, dude it's so cool I, it's hard to explain but they're basically wooden American flags for your walls also uh, check out uh, wishes for warriors that was that foundation that uh, Adam was talking about where uh, they uh, help out wounded veterans and get them back out and hunting again I think that is badass and I uh, definitely have a lot of respect for those guys check them out make sure you swing by uh adam's uh business page there it's uh palm leaf leather you can find him on instagram hit him up about the custom stuff he's definitely got some bitching stuff yeah well i think that's the end of the episode guys so uh yeah keep sharing keep uh telling people about the podcast it's pretty uh much spread by word of mouth so kind of relying on you guys to uh spread the good word also, if you guys got a badass photo or anything like that, uh, definitely use uh, just tag uh, hashtag the Anchor Point Podcast, and we'll uh, definitely look for you and feature you on the Insta. Right on, guys! Thanks for listening. Tune in the next episode. Better. Mm-hmm.